Anything Combat with Johnny K. But it's Anything Combat though. Welcome back, combatants, to the Anything Combat show, wherein we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by an undefeated fighter. They say he's 2-0. and He says he's 3-0. and I believe him. He's a great <laughs> coach. He's helped Australian fighters achieve their dreams. He's trained one championship champions, UFC champions. He's all around a nice guy. Please welcome Renato Supotic. How are you? I'm Renato. very good, my brother. Thank you. First of all, how are you feeling about last night? Tell us your opinions and what you wanted to improve on or what you thought went well. So definitely uh, last night was a great night. Uh, we have uh, two fighters competing from my team, um, Zach O'Brien and Percival Mwambi. Uh, Zach did a, a very good performance. He was winning two rounds, uh, was uh, up on the scorecard, but uh, credit on his opponent. He, on the third round, uh, switched the game, and uh, sadly Zach wasn't like in perfect condition for this fight. He accepted uh, uh, a short notice uh, matchup. Um, he was sick, was coughing and everything, but uh, he's a true warrior and wanted to show up anyway. So I think his cardio paid the price a bit on the on the third and uh, we lost. But uh, in regards to uh, Percival, uh, the performance uh, was um, uh, undeniable. Like uh, uh, he put like uh, in uh, in the game uh, all the details we, we've been working in the last few months. Um, he almost didn't get touched at all during the fight, securing the first round and uh, on the second round, uh, finishing his opponent by rear choke. Congratulations on that. Thank you. So let's talk about Zach quickly. Yeah. His opponent, I spoke to you about that last night, that I used to train with him at yeah. John Donahue in yeah. Notting Hill, a great gym, great jiu-jitsu at that gym. Yeah. So Brian, I believe his name was, his opponent, I don't think, I don't think that was a bad loss for yeah. Zach. I feel like Brian will actually turn professional and do well. In yeah, the sport of MMA. He's a very good, he's a very good fighter. Yeah. He's a very good fighter and he has a lot of attributes that are going to lead him to find success in any weight class that he goes to. Yeah. And he's still very young. He's a very hard worker. Yeah. So, yeah, just, just touching on that, I think, um, I think Zach shouldn't be so discouraged about that loss. Yeah, I think uh, Zach, uh, of course, whenever you uh, lose a fight, uh, fighting is a very intimate sport, right? It's not like uh, you're losing a game in soccer and uh, the week after you get you have another competition like no one gets hurt it's very intimate because uh, you don't only lose but you know a fighter it's a, a primitive things and people are watching you uh, like your family so it's very it's very strong emotionally and uh, that's why i think fighters are different people because uh, um, once uh, you uh, face these defeats in the sport and in life uh, uh, if you want to succeed in the game, you have to go back uh, uh, in the gym and, and work uh, um, in the things uh, in the layer on the layer which uh, gonna make you improve your game. Zach was very close to finish the fight on the first. Uh, uh, if you remember on the backstage, uh, um, one of his teammates came talk to me and say like when I saw Zach getting the rear necker choke and uh, was very deep, uh, I was like, uh, okay, that's it. And uh, credit on his opponent, a very, very tough guy, which uh, <laughs> he came after the fight uh, uh, on the backstage and say, coach, I've been following everything you're doing. Uh, I'm trying your technique and uh, 
keep posting stuff so his I opponent, can too. his yeah, opponent yeah, yeah, said yeah. that to you yeah. yeah so that's very interesting Aaron was his yeah. name the, the other guy the other teammate yeah. and he said specifically he said that I would have been very annoyed if Zach got that rear naked choke on him because every single time I do that to him in training somehow he slips out yeah that's exactly what he said and so and he's a uh, I think uh, light heavyweight. Yeah, huge, yeah, huge, huge so. fucking huge. <laughs> We've spoken about your team. I want to ask you about you. When did you come to Australia and where were you born? So I was born in Slovenia um, in a small uh, town um, close to the border to Italy. Uh, and uh, when I was younger, when I was like uh, three, four years old, I moved uh, to Italy. Um, for life reason and for other things, uh, uh, I moved in Australia five years ago. Um, and yeah, slowly, let's say like my team is very active, probably four years. And uh, I think it's deniable to say probably one of the most active and successful team in Australia. Would you consider yourself more Italian or more Serbian? Uh, I think more, uh, I think I'm a perfect mix of both. So I was able to keep uh, my Serbian identity. And I think Serbian people are very strong uh, people uh, for their past and for uh, the things uh, history teaches. And uh, I think uh, probably the IQ is more Italian, <laughs> more political. And uh, uh, everyone knows the Roman Empire, like people think uh, uh, was one of the most stronger empire because uh, uh, of the strength, but was for political reason, you know. And I think I'm a, a good mixture of both. Long, extensive amateur records. Yeah. So we were talking about it last night. How I couldn't believe that Percival had 15 amateur fights, basically more or less, whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. But two fighters I want to talk about that had very extensive amateur records. They're doing very well right now. Are Magomed Ankolaev in light heavyweight in the UFC yeah. and yeah. Shavkat Rachmanov. Yeah. So. Practically both of them undefeated. Yeah. Magomed has one loss in the last second of the third round because he got submitted, yeah. and Shavkat's 17 and zero. So only one loss between the two fighters. Yeah. Their amateur records, they've got four or five losses each. Yeah. So truly, truly, do you think having a long, extensive amateur record is beneficial for MMA right now? Yeah, I think it's very beneficial for a few aspects. Uh, one of the main aspects is like you don't want to do mistakes as a professional fighter which you could have done as a, a amateur in the in the amateur level you should have like the chance to like be under pressure um, make that mistakes which are not only uh, technical it's uh, so many things going leading to the fight like weight cut and uh, managing to travel like in another state and uh, I've seen it all, like you're in the hotel, the sauna doesn't work, you have to find a, a place where you can cut weight or or uh, you're, you're, you're doing the cut with the butt and the hot water finish and you have to go buy like five kettles and and uh, and uh, try to keep the temperature high. It's uh, so many things experience can teach you, which uh, uh, I think that's uh, uh, is the same as an example in life, right? You want to have the ability to make mistakes but in a comfortable level. And as you say, as an amateur, you can lose, you can lose multiple time. You turn pro and maybe you are 6-0, 7-0, no one looks at the amateur career. But the experience you gain from that is uh, like, um, 
unquestionable. What's your relationship like with uh, Percival? How much do you uh, trust him and uh, how do you grow that relationship with him? Me and Percival, um, uh, we've been working, working together for a long time now. And uh, he's a special kid. Uh, as you have seen, you have uh, live the backstage uh, with us. Uh, he's a very composed uh, and strong uh, f- uh, person. And I think that uh, shows uh, in the cage when he competes. Uh, we are very close. I, I, I treat my students uh, almost like they're all uh, part of my family, uh, almost like he's my son. And um, yeah, he knows. And um, that's the way I see things like I will die for my students. And uh, that's the job as a leader, you know, you're leading your people to a battle. It's like back in the days, having your army and you as a leader have to make the right choice to make them win that fight. And that's how, as I seen it, you know. Last night we had the TikTok fighters. I spoke yeah. to you, I saw your facial reaction, you fucking hated it. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you what you think about YouTube boxing and uh, TikTok MMA now. How do you feel about that? So I did not... Uh, uh, hate the fight himself because O'Shane and Castro at this point like it's same it's same to say from Jack Paul or the Paul brothers they're actually athletes now they're not only YouTuber like they've been training they're training hard they've been like high level sparring some of the best trainer in the world what I like I don't like is the concept of make something very dangerous dangerous as a fighting accessible on everyone because like people can get hurt you know i've been in many occasions where like you're prepared on the top of the level and you still get hit by one punch and everything change i've seen like arm broken legs knee concussion like bad concussions so i just want to, to when whenever someone decides to step uh, in the cage no matter what is his uh, status outside can be a lawyer can be a construction worker or TikToker or YouTuber, but what I uh, think is very important is uh, to be prepared on the on the top of the level. No, what was your training like in Italy, and why did you stop? So uh, when I was competing, uh, I was like with uh, a very high intensity uh, training regime. Like all my life was around uh, fighting. Like for me, since I was a kid, because my dad was my first coach. And I started with with traditional karate and after like sports karate. And the problem MMA back then was like completely a different sport. Um, when I started MMA was uh, very confusing and amateur professional was like very confusing also. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, was completely different because uh, at, the, at the moment MMA is one sport himself, yes. You have like jiu-jitsu, wrestling, boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, but you need to have the ability to put everything together and be complete in the gray area, which is like cage wrestling, scrambling, um, and all these aspects. When I was uh, training, I was training probably six, seven hours a day. So I remember I was going to school. Before school, I would go for a run. Uh, And actually, I remember in my city when I was a kid, I would be running. And all the kids uh, will come to the bus bus station in front of my house and will see this crazy guy running back home, getting changed and going to school. After uh, school, I had my second session and um, 
the third session, which was the hardest one, um, I usually uh, will travel like for one hour and a half, two hour, sometimes in Slovenia also to do my wrestling and grappling and uh, driving back and and um, driving. At the time I was going with the bus because I didn't have the license yet. I was a kid. And uh, yeah, it was very, very intense. I think um, um, it's a lifestyle. Not a lot of people can do it like 100%. You have to be very strong mentally to proceed that path. Where you are from in Slovenia, would you recommend it as a travel destination for holidays? Oh, actually, it's very beautiful. It's called Postumia and it's very known for the caves, uh, like in history. It's a very beautiful place. But also the place where I grew up in, in Italy, it's uh, called Monfalcone, which is near, is, is near Venice, let's say it. And it's a very uh, unique like uh, uh, place because of the history, the World War II was on that line of the borders with Europe, etc. cetera. Uh, and uh, also in terms of food, probably, you know, like every place in Italy, <laughs> you cannot get wrong. Who inspired you to fight professionally? Like who got you into fighting? Uh, well, not uh, to fight professionally, but uh, who got me in fighting and inspired me was my father. My father was a very, very strong man. He is a strong man, and uh, um, he um, what what uh, what is uh, the strength of my parents? Probably is in their work ethic and how honest and clean of a people they are. On the point, it almost makes you feel uncomfortable. I remember them working like two, three jobs to uh, provide uh, us the best situation we could have to grow and uh, being su- be successful in life and we didn't have much but uh, uh, you know when you're a kid you you always see what what's the what's best than what you have what's better than what you have and for me it was very hard because my parents would be never at home and uh, I, I have to grow up almost by myself with my older brother and even there this the situation was uh, very anomalous because uh, my brother is older than me one year but I was always treated like the older of the family. So I was the one like looking after everything and uh, uh, leading sort of like uh, uh, the, the family, my brother, etc. But uh, yeah, I think my father, my father and my mom uh, are the, the, the people who inspire me to fight, not only in the sport, but in life, yeah. When I was researching you, I saw that you specialize in the attribute of mental. Yeah. So you, you do a whole bunch of study and you help your yeah. fighters mentally before the fight for mental preparation. Yeah. How important is that for fighting and why have you specialized in that? Well, at some point, like everyone have high level skills. You know, everyone goes to the point like to, you have to have high level skills to be competitive uh, on the top of the game. But uh, what's gonna make the difference is uh, the mental aspect. How you um, how you manage the pressure, how you manage like uh, the daily things in life. Because like fighting, at the end of the day, it's uh, one part of the life of a person. Doesn't matter if you are fully involved like me, but still uh, like it's not everything, you know? You have to have uh, uh, food on your table, you have to um, you have to be as a fighter in a happy place to fight. People think hanger 
is uh, is uh, the tool to go in the cage and compete like hanger is the most uh, simple emotion to read on an opponent is giving you all the information needs to to have about someone but what is hard when someone is like composed and uh, his body language is relaxed you can see when someone as a fighter is in the zone or someone like who's trying to pretend like some strengths they don't have no with hanger looking at the opponent insulting and stuff like that i'm a very old school in this term i think uh, um, we not only focus like on the mental aspect but we learn uh, we are learning in the gym to read the body language of, of someone you know sometimes uh, uh, we are the one in sport and life who we who we give superpower to other people you know uh, because a lot of people they learn through life that ability to make like oh you seen this guy is like uh, invincible but we are all humans you know and sometimes uh, um, it's con- it's confusing for for people they think i need to hate someone to fight him now i i think uh, you should uh, learn to think like he thinks to find the the cracks in his armor you know and uh, which is a completely completely different uh, uh, approach of what other people does you know how do you meet percival and what's the story behind that so percival uh, was having one fight um in his resume and uh, he was scheduled to fight uh, uh, was in the air wasn't scheduled to fight but uh, to um compete against one of my uh, oldest students he's very young anthony pascalis is uh, four and one one of the probably best bantamweight in the country he's gonna be back competing soon and uh, is he professional or amateur 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 yep. yeah and uh they they meant to be fighting each other and uh, we say yes and uh percy uh team i think uh, uh say yes too but uh randomly they end up like training together at a boxing gym and uh it was like a bit of awkward energy because oh we're gonna fight but we're training here uh, boxing together and uh, uh percival come to the gym he wasn't um he wasn't the percival you see now was like um, just a normal kid with actually i wanted to keep him in the in the trenches a bit to like uh, fix all the holes uh, he was having in his game and um uh, six fight later here we are uh, he's the best flyweight in the country you know and uh, one thing i want to say he ha- he have one lost but is a is a bit uh, um, of backstory on that because percival that fight was uh, meant to be scheduled a completely different opponent his opponent pulled out and he accepted to fight a guy which is like almost two division heavier than him the guy was enormous the fight wasn't really like anything uh specific but uh the guy was just too big and uh when uh, uh in a grappling exchange percival was on the bottom he couldn't really stand up because we have weight class for a reason in mma and the sides advantage is a huge impact so that's you cannot even count it as a loss because as a flyweight he never lost against anyone for us that was a good learning experience you know to not uh, uh feel like that ego to be invincible and oh we can fight someone two weight classes above now 
we learn together, you know, and uh, that's probably one of his best his best attribute. He's able to improve uh, from uh, part of the game uh, which uh, he didn't perform hundred percent previously. You know, see that's happened before, and it's happening more often now. A fighter that you trained was well helped train was Alexander Volkanovsky. Yeah. Now in his base weight class, he's still undefeated at featherweight, sixty six yeah. kilo. Where his losses, his one loss is at 70 kilo, and before that he was 25 and one. That l- other loss was 77 kilo. Yeah. So to lose, he had to go up to 11 kilo. So yeah. people, people were like, oh, he's not, he's not undefeated. So I guess he's, I guess he's shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but yeah. truly, but truly, if it's not your base weight class, can you really show the level that that fighter's on? Uh, look, it's uh, so uh, I, I like Khabib Nurmagomedov. But I think uh, Khabib have uh, bringing the game something which uh, doesn't make sense in MMA. Is this aura of uh, how important is the O in your record? Which that game is not boxing. MMA is very complicated, and it's very like uh, articulated. Uh, so many things happen, injuries. You can go to a fight like Zach and not be hundred percent with your health and. Uh, not put in excellent performance. You can have a day when you are not 100%. You know, in boxing, you have like, like the game, that's the game. You know, you work with your hands. No one can take you down. No one can kick you in your your legs. Like whenever you add on a game, more complex factor to win the game, more uh, you're gonna hit a, a point of imprediction. You know, that's why people love MMA because you can have like someone like Amanda Nunes, you know, who was winning against everyone. And uh, she's like uh, one of the biggest ever betting favorite on the line and she lose their fight for the title. Like that's the love uh, of people for this game because it's so unpredictable. And uh, yeah, definitely weight classes um, are what impact the game a lot and the weight cuts and stuff like that you have to think about like people are getting ready for a fight and the day before they have to lose like five six ten kilo and uh, make it make it on the weight scales is very very hard and the day after you're doing something very stressful you know so you brought up Khabib I want to ask you so you have Charles Oliveira who has nine losses 34 and nine and then you have Khabib 29 and zero now you look at their accomplishments and they're on par yeah. You look at one fighter, I guess he's shit, he's lost nine times. Yeah. You look at another fighter, he's undefeated. And truly, if Charles wins another two, three fights, only two fights, he's might be the GOAT, the best, the best yeah. fighter to ever fight yeah. in that one division. So I just don't think losses are important in MMA. No, not really. Of course, like if your record is a negative record and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you have like nine losses and one win, you should change sport. Like that's... Uh, that's I think number doesn't lie, right? But also you have to look uh, against uh, who you lose, you know? Like uh, look against who Charles Oliveira lost and uh, and uh, how he abused uh, that losses and turned them into lessons, you know? And uh, so, yeah, for me, I, I'm a strong believer. Um, a lot of fighters, they put uh, themselves so much pressure on that O in the record. And I think as an amateur, once uh, you compete a lot and you lose that hole, maybe okay, it's uh, helping you to 
to brush that ego away, you know? Yeah, yeah. Jack Della Maddalena, absolute amazing fighter. He um, lost his first two and yeah. since then has been undefeated for like eight years. Yeah. So, so I want to ask you about your favorite fighter. This could be Muay Thai, could be kickboxing, could be jiu-jitsu, could be MMA, boxing, whatever you want. Who would you say is your favorite fighter and why? Um, so I really like George St. Pierre. Uh, because I think he kind of uh, was the first one to bring the modern way of MMA uh, out from like the olden era. Uh, he was able like to mix strikes, takedown, takedown, grappling, scrambling back up and like all these micro aspects which are very important and fundamental in the game. Um, and uh, on the other hand, for personal things and uh, also for what he's accomplishing in uh, in our era, you know, is Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, old, old life underdog, you know, a small guy, uh, small in rugby, small in, uh, um, in MMA. Everyone always tried to um, deny the fact of how good he is because of his size, you know, but uh, an extremely... Um, unique human being, uh, a great father, great person. And he's just like, you know, going against uh, someone like uh, Islam with uh, this aura we spoke about before, like of like, oh, he's from Khabib, you know, camp, uh, uh, Khabib father, and going in there and for many people win that fight. And um, yeah, I think uh, he's uh, the example in the sport. Uh, I would love uh, for my guys to have you know, discipline, the work ethic, the education, the love for his family and all these aspects is what makes him a special champion. There are so many different eras in fighting from the 90s to the early 2000s to now. We're in the 2013 era to 2023. Yeah. The best fighters in this era are Khabib, Adesanya and Volkanovski. That's the discussion to who's the best in our current era. Do you think if Volkanovski wins that second belt against Islam, do you think that he edges his way one above Khabib and is the best fighter in our era? Uh, d for sure. And uh, for me, already now, because uh, of the level of competition he faced, because yeah, Khabib uh, was undefeated, but he defended the belt only twice. Three times, Three times, but the first yeah. the first title fight was against Ally Quinter, who was ranked number eleven yeah. at the time. So shit. So really, not really a good yeah. title fight. So three good titles. Alex is literally like uh, going after the hardest challenge he can have. Like uh, even his last fight was uh, like people was like, oh, you know, yeah, Rodriguez is very dangerous, etc. He make him look like a beginner, you know, and that's what he's able to do. Uh, is uh, literally a lot of people don't understand but like the biggest talent Alex have uh, is how he download and process information during the fight and round by round he comes like with uh, just a different arsenal of things he can do to you what was crazy about that fight is you had Max Holloway who I consider top 30 best fighters to ever live on the there's a topology list of the top 100 and it's, 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 it goes up to the top 300 400 and max is 30 30 and volkanovsky's nine and when i saw how max dealt with 
Yair Rodriguez. Took him 25 minutes, and he struggled. He almost lost that fight. When Volk got in there, it was not a close fight at all, and he Mm. ended up finishing a striker via setting him up with a perfect inside leg kick into a into a crazy hook yeah. it just goes to show you the the level of iq that he's operating under um just an absolute generational talent i want to ask you so he's shorter than all the fighters he goes up against yeah. but his reach is longer and people say to me trevin jones he's a bantamweight he he was fighting in the ufc trevin jones told me that the biggest advantage in mma in his opinion is being shorter with a longer reach do you agree with that or do you disagree i think uh, like um, that's like the beauty of like being different uh, physically uh, as humans i think what's the key is like uh, finding the right uh, coaches around and uh, who are able like to adapt your game on your physicality too you know because like uh, if you are a long uh, tall guy with an amazing reach and they teach you to box on the inside come on it's not like the right smart uh, game plan someone can do you know so teach you to box and like idolize your reach and everything but uh, i think uh, it's some advantage but also is disadvantage you know depend depend on the point i think uh, alex uh, volume is the key of why him even be the shortest one is able like to hit and uh, the movement uh, he's very good uh, in the ability of switching stance kicking you all the time i spar with him a few times and he's like very um hard to deal with because like he's always kicking your leg when you move he's taking off the base of your foot and he's just always in your face and like one of his uh, best attribute is like his cardio he can go forever you see with the Islam fight, like on the fifth, fifth round, he just stood up. Islam was other. more tired and Islam's a cardio monster. Yeah, and Volk was like, okay, I can do these other five rounds, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, you know. It's important to adapt uh, the game, not only on your like, uh, not only having like skills, but at some point, idolize like the gift, uh, the genetic gift you have been given from the bird, you know, so which is important. That fight is such an interesting case study. The more you look into that fight, the more interesting it gets. So Islam, he took maybe 130 strikes or something um, in his UFC career. And then he fights Volk. His whole career in UFC took like 120 strikes. And he fights Volk and Volk lands 115 strikes on him. So Volk, out of... Out of Islam's 12 opponents, Volk lands the same amount of strikes on someone that's that defensively sound. Yeah. So I don't understand how good Volk's striking is. Does that make him the best striker in MMA right now? Uh, you said, right, best striker in MMA. Yeah, for sure. One of the best. Uh, I think where Alex is good is in an ability to mix things up. Look at the last fight. He hurts uh, Yair Rodriguez. Uh, Yair Rodriguez is backing up on the fence uh, and what Vox does, boom, he mix on the takedown, take him down with an amazing double leg and finish him with a, with a ground and pound, you know. And, he's, and he knew, sorry to interrupt you, he knew that Yair in those blitz moments where you're running at him, that's when he's most deadly. Korean zombie gets up elbowed, yeah, yeah. Max Holloway gets head yeah. kicked. Whenever you're running at him, he'll catch you. Yeah. So what does Volk do? The second he's about to run at him, he runs at him, Yair's ready for the counter, and he just stops, he plants his feet, yeah. plants his feet, 
throws a two, one, and then Yair's confused. He shells up a couple body shots and takes him down. Like the most perfect game plan for yeah. that individual fighter. Yeah. That might have not worked against Max or Brian Ortega, but it worked perfectly against Yair. And just yeah. goes to show you how much tape and how much homework he does on these fighters. Yeah. And uh, like uh, it's like a perfect example, you know, it's perfect example saying like uh, uh, he's uh, like when you when you speak about striking MMA, a lot of people still these days are very confused about, you know, oh, I want to improve my striking from MMA. I'm going to this amazing kickboxing coach like you're not going to learn nothing uh, to improve your MMA striking because in MMA you can be taken down. You can use the takedown to bring the defense down of your opponent and find an opening for the strike. So yeah, it's like a very different strike uh, than just classic blank. The strike selection's actually different as well. When I did Muay Thai boxing, they never said, oh, lead uppercut and lead uppercut. They never said it, right? Second you do MMA training, the second they have their gloves in a certain way to sprawl takedowns, throw the lead uppercut, throw the lead uppercut. Maybe one of the best best punches you can do in the whole sport so the strike selection is completely different as well so yeah, learning that learning that it's it's very difficult to incorporate um those techniques as well as the stances so totally agree with what you're saying a question i love to ask fighters and people in the mma community is you've got jujitsu you got wrestling boxing kickboxing muay thai mma you pick one division across the board one weight class you only get one right now which one are you picking to view the sport if you were only allowed to view one division at the moment like the welterweight you know uh, in ufc it's a very good uh, comprom compromise weight class because you have like a lot of power there but it's like that probably middleman like uh, average sides and uh, it's so many champions now you have like kamaru usman leon edwards with uh, put like in two phenomenal performance against him. So already Usman was a GOAT and comes in uh, Leon Edwards and like uh, finish him, you know, w one time with the, that phenomenal head kick. And uh, you have like Cody Combiton and uh, many, many, uh, you know, you have a Mac, Mac, uh, Hamza no, Chemaev, Chemaev uh, which it's floating between the two division, like 84 and 77. It's a many interesting um, uh, fights there. I think probably is the most competitive, uh, uh, I guess, ever been before as a division, and it's very interesting at the moment. What do you think about the argument that 84 kilo is the worst division in MMA right now? I subscribe to that opinion. Light heavyweights like Paul Craig coming down to fight Andre Muniz uh, 185. Brian Barbabuena, welterweight. He actually knocked down Leon Edwards in their fight. Yeah. So he's actually decent. Yeah. He is moving up to 185 as well. You've got light heavyweights coming to 185. You've got welterweights coming up to 185. Yeah. How do you feel that, that this trend is showing that it's a weaker division than the rest? I don't think so. I think whenever you have a champion who cleans the division, makes look like the, cha the, the division is not that good. But like you have Israel Adesanya, you know, which is a... Goat, and uh, he's not only beating everyone, but he's beating them like one, twice. You know, uh, he's doing the loop now, uh, uh, beating everyone again. 
So I think whenever you have like someone who's very dominant, people think uh, um, the other opponents are not good enough, but that's kind of how it is in the sport, you know. Um, we've been in uh, example like that in few times. Look, for example, Anderson Silva, at some point, he had this aura around of being like so invincible and so unique, which uh, make look like, oh, the other people are not good enough. But that's what like a great champion can do. Makes other great athletes look like average, you know. How do you feel about that comparison from Anderson Silva and Israel Adesanya? Yeah. You got Anderson at 11 titles, you got Israel at eight titles. So how many, how many fights, because it's not that simple. It's not Israel needs to get more belt. To be honest, I think it would probably be justifiable to say that he's goaded in that division if he gets two more title fight wins. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think he's already like a goat, like he's, uh, if he stops now. But, you uh, think so? Yeah, I, I don't agree with uh, that. I think I think uh, 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 not better than Silva, but definitely is one of the goats in the game because like uh, of of the things he was able to do, and uh, I don't count the fight of him fighting um, fighting uh, Silva in Melbourne, which uh, yeah, I know there, it completely doesn't count. I know it doesn't count because like it's just two completely different era, getting like in the in the, in the moment where uh, Silva was uh, not uh, uh, in his prime, and and he did well, to be honest, like he did, he did well. He did very well to show how good Anderson was, but yeah. Anderson was coming off leg injury, broke his leg in half. He's like forty something. He just yeah. had he just had his whole title reign, and he lost three times in a row. And they gave him Israel and said, "Build build Israel's name." That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think uh, definitely if he keeps doing his things, uh, he he will pass. If he pass the the, the winning uh, title uh, defense of uh, uh, Silva, but uh, both of them they're good. Like sometimes I feel like even bad like to compare such a great athletes because they've done so much for the sport already and. Uh, they compete on the, I know everyone wants always to know like who is the best of the best but like once you do once you coach on the top of the level like I've been doing for longer you learn to appreciate like uh, uh, what a champion have done in his career and sometimes it's very um, it's a bit disrespectful to compare such a great champions you know they're both great so yeah I agree, but I love looking at the stats and the statistics. And the facts are that Anderson, during his middleweight title reign, went up to light heavyweight, not to fight for the belt. This was a period in MMA where champions didn't realize, and it wasn't wasn't so, um, how can you say? Like, it wasn't told that if you had the belt, you can fight for the belt in the higher weight class. Yeah, something recent, yeah. Yeah, it's a recent idea. Ever Ever since, you know, Dan, the only reason Dan Henderson won two belts was because he entered the tournament for the other one. You know what I mean? It was more like you had to get ranked, yeah. you had to fight the contenders, and then the champion. Yeah. So Anderson, during his middleweight title reign, went up to light heavyweight, KO'd Forrest Griffin, went up to light heavyweight again, KO'd another guy, made the light heavyweights look like bummers, and he was, he was smaller, yeah. right? Israel Adesanya goes up to light heavyweight, and Jan Blahovic is one of the best strikers in MMA, very underrated striker, really good leg checker, very good Muay Thai. 
and he loses very, very badly, in yeah. my opinion. He gets yeah. outstruck and he gets outwrestled. So yeah. what do you think, like, that's a pretty quantifiable thing where someone's gone like three or four and zero in their light heavyweight and that's not even their weight class. Yeah. And you got another fighter who went up there once and performed pretty badly. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Yeah, like, definitely Jan Blakovic exposed uh, where we already knew, but, like, I think uh, when you have, like, the size advantage, like, it's harder for people to grapple and wrestle you. But Izzy going up, um, you know, kind of expose himself in that. Um, but yeah, definitely, like as I say, they're two great champions. And like, uh, Silva is a legend. It's uh, like uh, the, the, uh, that knockout with the spinning back elbow and uh, that like uh, things he have done and accomplishes in career, the way he moved, the way he performed. It's, uh, he's a legend and uh, um, as I say, I put him up there with one of the best I ever lived, you know? So I put it. him on my list, I put him at number three yeah. of all time. Just a final thing I want to touch on about Silver and, and GSP before we move on. The newer champions, they don't, after they lose the belt, they don't go contender. They say, I want number one contender or I want interim belt or title, right? That's, that's the lowest they can go. Yeah. When you're talking about Anderson and GSP, after they lose the belt and after GSP lost, he fought heaps of contenders. He fought like two or three contenders to just get back into the title reign and then had his 11-fight win streak with all the championships. Me saying two more fights with Adesanya, I think I want to renege that and I want to say that I think Israel needs to do a little bit more, like actually much more, to be better than Anderson just because of the fact that even when he lost the belt, he still needed to fight contenders as well as going up weight classes. Yeah. I just think it's just very difficult. Uh, yeah, I think uh, one, one thing I want to give to Israel Azania as a credit is uh, like I've been like lost like uh, three times against against a guy in MMA in kickboxing and like uh, is people don't understand. But in this game, when someone beats you and beats you once is okay you maybe have a chance to to redeem yourself but when someone beat you two three times it's almost like you put yourself in that status where like he's better than you and that's it like it's a, this sport is a very primitive and uh, a bit uh, jerarchic sport even in the, when you go in a gym you can see who are the one who are like the alpha and you can see the people who they accept their lower status and for him to like um, which that's one thing I don't agree. I think uh, Pereira should have a rematch against Izzy because he beat him three times, you know? And uh, I don't think Izzy wants that uh, rematch and he will fight. Like if, uh, uh, I think they make uh, now Jan Blakovic and Pereira title. Uh, that's later this later later this uh, month. I don't know if yeah. it's for the title. I don't know if it's because, been announced. Uh, I think... Uh, uh, Jamal Hill, Jamal Hill uh, he, tore, he, tore, he tore his Achilles tendon. And make it va- uh, made it vacant. My, my question about the, the division for you is, do you think that division's fucking cursed? You had, you had <laughs> yeah, Blahovic, but... you had Blahovic fighting to a draw with Magomed and Kalaev. You yeah. had Glover, Glover winning the belt because Jan injured his hand in the fight. Yeah. Right? You had Jamal uh, tearing his Achilles heel. You had Yuri Prakasha having the worst shoulder injury in MMA history, tearing his whole shoulder. 
And then who else? You had Rakic breaking his ACL. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's <laughs> definitely um, in a, uh, struggling a bit at the moment. But uh, I feel, uh, uh, let's see what happened in this fight. I think they should make it like an interim belt fight. Jan Blakovic deserves, you know. And I think uh, um, a lot of people, they want, they hope Pereira to win, to see the rematch, maybe up At class, light heavyweight. Light I would love that shit. That's where maybe uh, um, Adesanya can get a bit of credit, like beat him again. Because like a lot of people, they are like, oh, yeah, you beat him once, but he beat you three times. Yeah, you and can sell it. I would watch that fight another four times. I yeah. love it. Every, every yeah. single fight they've had, I've thoroughly enjoyed every yeah. single one of them. Yeah, it was, a, it was a very, very good fight, even the last one. Yeah. I've got a question. So we just brought up a fighter. I love him. He's Serbian. He's 6'5". He can wrestle. He can strike. Yeah. Crazy fighter. Alessan- Alessandre or Alexande? I don't Alexander know how to say it. Rakic. Alexande Rakic. Yeah. What a beast. Your Serb. Um, does he represent the people well? Yeah, he represents very well. And like uh, he, my opinion, was uh, very unlucky the last fight. You cannot even judge that fight as a loss because when you, when you have an injury on that like caliber during the fight and like it's not much your opponent have did you know apparently he went to the fight with an in- with that injury um and uh, that's credit on him uh hopefully he heal quick he's a great uh, a fighter great prospect he can definitely be a champion one day and he's young still you know so for that division he's still younger and uh he can make uh, uh, a lot of serbian proud uh uh, during his career, how he's doing. Like, he's an amazing person. I met him. He's a great, uh, great uh, uh, man. And, uh, yeah, one step at a time, I think uh, sometimes fighters, they get injured and they rush to go back in there, not 100%. And that's a pretty common mistake. Uh, hope he recover quick and uh, go back on track doing what he's able to do, you know, the best. Really skillful fighter yeah a lot of people when they pull out of a fight people go oh you know like how could you so would you rather have your fighter go into a fight injured or would you rather pull out and annoy everyone look uh, um it's a very complicated things to uh, decide and depends like the entity of the injury depends uh, how much impact that injury have on, on you during the fight some injuries like uh, some guys are very very tough and they want to compete no matter what but uh, some type of injury you have to take your time to heal properly because at the end of the day once your career is finished uh, that's it you know like uh, it's uh, uh, you you have to deal with your body with the trauma you have like the head trauma etc so uh, if it's like an injury which uh, impact uh, drastically the way you can perform in that fight you should take your time to heal and and get back in the uh, stronger i know sometimes we have the ego as a fighter to to keep going even if the things are not right but that's why the team and the people around you are very important to make you think in the right way you know that's where a good coach comes uh in place and tell you like look man i know how you usually move the way you're moving uh it's something wrong like uh, we cannot achieve that uh, that win uh in the status you are now and you have 
it's so many discussions as a coach you have to have uh, with your fighter which are not easy discussion even one which is a very important it's when to retire you know a lot of fighters they feel like they can fight forever and you go uh, like for example look uh, Robbie Laura like last fight that's a perfect retirement win you win like that you retired you know he's like he's not gonna be competitive the champion on that level but he did an amazing performance uh, finish his opponent in 30 40 seconds 38 seconds yeah. against Nico Price what a way to go out yeah and that's the best way like that's it I've done what I've uh, to do and you retired like uh, as a legend he is you know um, that's as a coach sometimes you know you talk to your students and say look mate like that's it I think uh, uh, you know getting older it's time to um, move to other things in life you know and they just cannot accept it you know is that ego still like no I can fight yeah you can all, when you're a fighter you always can fight your life too and your health too you know I rewatched Robbie Lawler's fights after seeing that. Um, after rewatching all of Robbie Lawler's fights, he there's mythical fighters in MMA. This is why I love the sport. I love the whole idea, the nickname of a mythical fighter. Motivated McGregor, sober Paulo Costa. You know what yeah. I mean? They're very funny. Yeah. One that I love is fifth round Robbie Lawler. Every single fifth round, he just goes all out, just an animal. Yeah. You can't win yeah. that fifth round against him when he's in his prime. So I feel like... He channeled that fifth round Lawler, that mythical fighter. And I think that because he knew it was his last fight, I feel like he put everything into the first round of that fight and said, I'm just going to finish it here and now. And to be honest, that was the most accurate punches I've ever seen. Perfect on the chin, perfect on the temple. And it only took three punches and he was done. So do you think think that he... Is is there a mental block when it comes to how hard you can go mentally in fighting that he couldn't unlock that against other fighters that he's gone up against Brian Barbabuena, uh, Nick Diaz, he did a little bit, but it wasn't like that. It wasn't that accurate. Yeah. And then he goes up against Nico Price, says, this is my final fight. I'm going to put it all out, all out there. If I get finished, I get finished. And he just went for it. Do you think that mental block was there that he couldn't do it for the previous fights that he did for this one? I think uh, every fights come like from an evolution of moments which uh, like sometimes you know you've seen it for example undefeated fighter they believe they're the best they believe like no one can finish them because they never felt it on their skin you know that was Bada Hari if you recall yeah. remember how he said I'm, I'm 18 years old I'm going to be world champion and I'm going to be world champion for the next 11 years the next fight he got wheel kicked and yeah. lost it's, uh, and when you lose uh, and when you someone like uh, show that uh, crack in your in your armor like uh, a lot of people did not come back the same like a lot of people look for example Cody Gabrant I trained with him right Cody Gabrant was like 8 and 0 9 and 0 when he won the UFC belt undefeated undisputed undefeated. champion around I think it was around 11 12 and 0 and beating Dominic Cruz yeah. what a performance and uh, getting knocked down and like every almost like fight getting knocked down and just like uh, um, took him like a long time to get a win back was getting knocked down after knocked down knocked down after knocked down and he was one of the guy he would say like oh this guy is invincible you know once uh, they um, 
like live fighting and all of this shows you you know through experience you have some crack in your armor like a lot of people they don't come back you know and the same and uh, and actually a lot of people evolve differently they learn like to protect themselves a bit more and uh, win in different ways you know um I think uh, Robbie Lara is just like a, um, a, a special human being, you know. Like, uh, um, it's. Uh, I think the his last fight was like the perfect picture for a retirement for any fighters. So you brought up Cody Garbrandt. Big shout out to Matteo Capodaglio, which is uh, Cody's chef. Yeah. I interviewed him. What a nice guy. Yeah. And Matteo said that Cody was one of the nicest fighters that he ever met. When I spoke to Trevin Jones, who fought Cody Garbrandt in his last fight, he said, as much as I hated Cody to, you know, to fight him, uh, he was a very nice individual. I want to ask you, seeing that you worked with Cody as well, is what they're saying true? Was he a very nice guy? I think, uh, uh, look, I don't uh, know him personally. I know him in the room, training with the people, and he wasn't nice there. <laughs> I, I will, I will uh, uh, go against that. Like, he, he was Cody. Like, same as I see him in fight, he will go in the room and he's going to go with bad intention to, to finish people and finish you if he have the opportunity, even in training. But I think that's what have make him champion. So, like, yeah, he... Uh, Definitely in the room, uh, he will act the same as uh, he was acting in his prime when he was fighting. Like he will go in there and going to take your head off, you know. And uh, the point, like I don't know him personally. I don't know um, how he's um, in his everyday life, you know. A lot of fighters are, uh, I can say they act in a certain way, but they are completely different uh, um, in their daily routine, you know. And uh, I can see that quite often. And uh, I, I also understand that in the era we live in now, everyone have to have sort of a character which attract the audience and, and the money, the buyers, the pay-per-view, etc. I understand that. Look, Conor McGregor, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely uh, one of the reasons he was a champion at the time, Cody, is like his way to train. Like he was very intense in the training camp. And uh, yeah, uh, I know Matteo Capodaglio very well. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that you guys yeah. knew each other. I love that dude. Yeah, he's a very awesome guy. And uh, when did you guys meet? In Italy. In Italy. In Italy. He's did, did you? Yeah, of course he's yeah, Italian. Yeah. Matteo Capodaglio. He, what an Italian name. Uh, with Marvin. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so we know each other for a, for a long time. I see. So you knew he's each other. One of the best in the business. Yeah, he knew each other. You knew each other through Marvin. Yeah, and even like through some of my fighters, he was like their nutritionist. Like uh, small world, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, what a nice guy. He told me that uh, he was typing on a forum in Italian MMA. And you need to help me with this MMA promotion. And the first fighter that he spoke to at the promotion after talking on this forum, they didn't even know who he was. Uh, he ran into a 19-year-old Marvin Vittori. That's what he, that's what he told me. Yeah. So it's a very small world. Can't small believe world. that one. So you worked uh, with three-time... I always say three time, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. not it's not three individuals, it's three X. So three title fight win, WEC champion Jose Aldo, eight time UFC title fight win champion. Yeah. I want to ask you, what was he like to work with 
and what did you guys work on together? Uh, he's an amazing person. Like his work ethic, like uh, it's unbelievable. Probably one of the hardest worker in the room. Um, Jose Aldo is like uh, one of the goats, feather with goats for sure. Up there with Alex, up there with, uh, you have to put even Conor McGregor there. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I, I, def- hard, I definitely hard, don't. But, uh, but uh, you have to put uh, also the impact people had in the sport, no matter what, if it was like a positive or negative, uh, he did uh, bring the sport like to the next level. I, the only thing some a bit uh, sad uh, for Jose Aldo is like uh, many of the people, like they're not going to remember him being like 10 years, uh, not losing any fight in a featherweight class, but they're going to remember him for the 13th second with Conor McGregor, you know? That doesn't give him justice. Well, I, I do have to yeah. say, I do agree with what you're saying about the casuals. But the people like us that know, yeah. we know it goes Jose, it goes Volkanovski, Max Holloway. And to be honest, after that, it's a steep hill. Yeah. And you would have to do, you would have to get at least five title wins with a 12-fight win streak to even get remotely close to those guys. Jose yeah. is number one still. Even with Volkanovski's achievements, Jose is number one. When you're when you're talking to people that are not casuals and that watch the sport avidly, we know that Jose meant what he meant to the sport at the time, and he never got that rematch with Conor McGregor. Yeah. So you never know what could have possibly happened, and yeah. he went into that fight with a lot of anger. So yeah. so we don't actually know, but I do I do have to say when he fought in the WEC, he fought the best champions that they had at the time. Uriah Faber at the time had like four or five belts yeah. and he destroyed him for 25 minutes. Mike Brown was uh, an amazing fighter back then. He destroyed him as well. Cub Swanson KO'd him in 20 seconds, right? Yeah. He's got all these crazy wins and it's going to take much more for, I, I hate using that terminology of GOAT, to be honest, I, I feel that it's very easy to say who is the GOAT and until it's so justifiable that you can call someone else the GOAT of that division and weight class, you can't really say anything. I feel like for Volkanovski to get that spot, even in, with the win over Jose, which was pretty dominant and Jose was not old at the time, he was pretty young. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like for Volk to do that, he needs to do much more in featherweight two or three belts more in, in featherweight, which is a ridiculous ask, but he's, he's a champion that can get that done. So how do you feel about that? I think that? I think that you need to prove yourself so much more than what people are thinking. I think people are so short-sighted that they want to call someone the next GOAT, that they jump the gun. They jump yeah. the gun with Usman and look what happened to him. Now yeah. people are saying that he's the biggest... Uh, fraud in uh, welterweight. Yeah. You know what I mean. Out of all the champions, so how do you feel about how do you feel about people's recency bias and them not not caring and not acknowledging the true champion of that division? Look, uh, definitely, like Usman is is not a flop. <laughs> He's a very good fighter. Uh, I like when the, um, like the casuals like uh, they they switch like banners straight away you know and they think like uh, oh this guy is so good like uh, the best ever he lose one fight and on the other side straight away you need to acknowledge what like Usman was very dominant for a long time a very good champion uh, I think uh, whenever you judge a goat of some division you should judge him at the end of his career right you I understand that you put uh, Jose Aldo before Alex I think they're very very close already 
on that status, but uh, uh, you still, uh, Alex is still going. Like uh, yes. I, don't, I don't know where he's gonna be uh, because a lot of champion and a lot of great people look like GSP. You judge him, yeah, he have losses, he have two losses, but he redeemed himself and beat both of the guy he lost with. So even that stories, that's why people like John Jones. They like him because uh, he he's not a perfect human being. He does a lot of uh, he did a lot of mistakes, and people uh, recognize his gift, but they also recognize uh, um, the fact like he's a human, and all of all people have their hard moments. Everyone have like uh, um, um, moments in their life where like they don't feel uh, well with themselves. And uh, uh, he had probably a lot of pressure as a young kid coming up, uh, being so successful so young. Definitely, I can never put him as a GOAT for one reason. Uh, like, I think he's probably the most gifter, gifted athlete ever live in Earth. But like the point of like uh, having the question mark on uh, if he was clean all his career, like you cannot do it, you know? It's like kind of... Um, it's gonna be always that cloud, but definitely he's uh, one of the best athletes ever lived. Probably the most gifted uh, MMA fighter for sure ever living earth, you know? Um, so yeah, I think, uh, but also his curse, it's why people like him. And uh, a lot of fighters, you know, these days, it's very interesting. Like you seen this fighter and when you see even like the local scene, let's start from the uh, basics and uh, all of them they want to be like oh sort of gangsters they like oh I come from a tough upbringing well what I think about that is like very boring you know I think it's very boring like everyone every fighter have like this standard like I come from nothing I uh, I choose fighting like yeah Mike Tyson was one but uh, I do believe I'm a strong believer if you want to be a champion, you have to be structured. You cannot afford the lifestyle outside the training, which is gonna take huge amount of energy away from you to grow in the process to be one of the best in the world. Like, yeah, Mike Tyson was Mike Tyson because he found Casdamato. You know, Casdamato adopt him, uh, uh, put him living, uh, leave him with uh, in his house, uh, wake him up at 4 a.m. running put structure in his life and Mike Tyson became Mike Tyson. So that's what I want to say, like uh, people uh, at the end of the day, they uh, they feel when someone is not perfect, uh, we are attracted to perfection, but we acknowledge the fact as a human, we all make mistake. We all like uh, come from dark moments and uh, everyone likes a story People actually love more a story. The guy, the guy who's perfect, sometimes almost piss you off. You know, it's like uh, you know that's why people love the uh, 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 hate. Uh, sorry, um, Floyd Mayweather for so long because no one can beat him. He's keep winning. His style is very <laughs> frustrating, and uh, he's keep making money and etc. So you see, like it's a different way to be and different way to attract. Uh, the crowd around you. What I suggest to a fighter is like to be true to himself, you know, to not get 
through compromise. Like if you are some sort of person in your daily life, you know, for example, I don't drink, but it's not because like I don't like drinking. I don't drink because uh, um, I, uh, I don't need it. And uh, also I have like a lot of young kids I'm coaching. I have like a lot of guys also who they come like from from a tough like upgrading, you know. And if they see me do something like that, they feel like comfortable to do so much worse. So you have to, you know, stay true to yourself. And of course, you want to make the money. So if you want to do that, you have to find a way to attract people uh, and watching your fight. So look, uh, Sugar Sean, uh, look, uh, uh, other athletes like everyone. Uh, uh, um, Coventon, he's very controversial, you know, everyone has his way, but stay true to you is for sure is going to help you. Let's talk about the PEDs. So you had GSP say, how good would I have been if I took steroids? That's what he said. He said, <laughs> how good would have I been? People, He knew people that uh, took roids and took PEDs and did exceptionally well. And he achieved the greatest of successes without them. And he said, if I did take them, it would have been even better, which would have been crazy. I don't think so. Now, I... now bef- before you get into that, you had also, just to touch on, you had TJ Dillashaw. So he tests positive once, destroys his whole career. John tests positive, people pretend like it didn't happen, right? <laughs> so TJ, TJ, his whole career got destroyed off it. John, nobody cares. GSP said if he if he did take it that he would be two three times better. So how do you feel about all of those? I don't topics? think so. It's true because like yeah, when you take like uh, these things to increase your performance, the problem is like you as a fighter, you want to be the best in the world, right? That's the dream of every single person who competes in MMA: be the best of the best. And uh, I think when you take uh, shortcuts the problem is inside you 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 install a seed in your mind right people don't understand the mental aspect like when you cheat like you can cheat other people and take let them know like uh, oh it's nothing uh, uh, this guy's a clean athlete etc but you know you cheated and i've seen a lot of people like mentally become very very weak because they know they did not come to that point in their adversity like through uh, through the sport like facing the challenge uh, and it's, it's something you gain from a point of struggle which you cannot gain uh, if you take an easy way out you know and uh, when you cheat you install seed in your mind and when you install that seed you always feel like you deserve to lose you know and it's uh, can impact, yeah, you say physiologically I'm stronger, I'm bigger, but mentally you get, uh, uh, you get, uh, yeah, touched. I want to bring up, we brought up Kamara Usman before. Now, I actually disagree with you about the fact that he isn't a fraud. I actually feel like he should be fraud checked a little bit more than most champions. I think he's, when you talk about what people could have done and what they did, I feel like it changes. If you look at Usman, I feel like he's a four, three title fight win champion. When you look at Conor McGregor, I consider him a seven or an eight, right? Now, Conor only gets three, Usman gets six, right? I think that Usman's a little bit bullshit 
because he fought Jorge Masvidal, who was not the best, right? He's a good striker, and every single time he takes the fight less seriously with his conditioning because he looked shitter every single time. So he fights a striker, he wrestles him, he wins. Then he rematches him again, which he should never have gotten a rematch, and he destroys him with one punch. All right, good. Good on Kamaru, right? The second fight with Colby, he... It's supposed to be a draw. If you look at the scoring criteria, you can actually give it a draw, right? Yeah, okay. Very, very close fight. He finishes Colby the first time. He fights Tyrone Woodley. Woodley kind of washes up, but he dominates him. So there's, in my opinion, there's three good performances. He's got the T. Wood one. He's got the first Colby fight, and he's got the Jorge rematch, yeah. right? He beat Gilbert Burns. That's a good one as well, right? So... You've got, you've got Usman at 6, you've got Matt Hughes at 9 title fights, and you've got GSP at 12 in that division. I just feel like Usman, I just feel like the guy's a little bit bullshit when it comes to his, when it comes to his MMA game, because I don't think his striking was that good, right? And I think that he was very meticulous on how he took fights. When he had the Leon rematch, he was very worried that Leon was going to knock him out in the second fight. So he did an elevation. Where does Usman train? Elevation. If you rewatch that fight card, Jose Aldovis, Marab Dvalashvili, Jose gasses out. Luke Rockhold, Paulo Costa, they both gas out. Luke in the first round. You look at Leon versus Kamaru 2, Leon gasses out in the second. I feel like he picked shit like that and he did particular things like that, knowing that he was the only fighter that trained at elevation and he wanted that unfair advantage so Leon couldn't outstrike him for that match, right? And then you can say what you will, he lost the fight in the last minute, right? When they rematched and there wasn't a elevation and it wasn't a oxygen problem, he lost pretty dominantly to yeah. Leon. Not to mention Leon got a point deduction and still won a dominant decision. So so I just feel like I feel like Usman is a great wrestler, didn't have a BJJ game, didn't really have a good ground and pound game, had a very good control time uh controlling type game. His clinch was decent and his striking was not that good. So I feel like the thing that really really showed that he was a good champion was that he had a competitor's instinct. He just wanted to win. It didn't matter that his skills were worse. He just wanted to win. So he grinded more than these guys. I just feel like his whole win streak and title fight wins in the in the UFC, I just don't put it as as the same level as other fighters. How do you feel about that? Yeah, you cannot put him up there with GSP for sure. What about but, Matt Hughes? Do you put him at third or second in welterweight history? Uh, look, it's up there. Uh, but uh, what I want to say, like, uh, like, okay, like a lot of people can think he's maybe finished, okay? But he still have, like, he's still in the process of, like, uh, um, you, make an example. If you watch him now, Chimaev have, like, crazy hype, right? Make an example if that fight happened. And... Uh, Kamaru beats Chimae. Change a lot of uh, perspective or, or a lot of things in mind of a lot of people because now Chimae is sort of a boogeyman. You know, I think it's hard to judge when someone is still active. Sometimes we have to get to the end of the uh, at the end of the road. You have to say when you have all the information and you can say, okay, he's up there or he might might. Chimai walk him through 
and uh, become one of the GOATs 77 and, uh, and uh, pass like uh, so many great champions, you know? He already did like incredible things like fighting with two weeks, finishing her opponent without like uh, 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 taking damage, but like Gilbert Burns came close to finish him and Usman completely destroyed Gilbert like he in the in the next in the next two rounds after that knockdown in the first he did very well yeah I want to ask you about Usman and those that next matchup for him yeah so you had the Chamayev matchup that was always bullshit that was never gonna happen yeah trust me that yeah. was never gonna happen he's been off for a year because he's been bulking up to middleweight the new photo of him makes him look like three times bigger than he was back in the day which yeah. is absurd because he was huge yeah. now he's even bigger so there might be a cardio problem there, by the way. Yeah. Um, Usman, his only matchup at welterweight, out of the list of welterweights right now, is one dude. And it's Shavkat Rachmanov, right? Yeah. And Usman. what's funny about it, what's funny about it is that since that fight was trying to get made by the UFC, Usman is now training. He was training with Shavkat for a while at Killcliffe, right? Yeah. And now, and now they're like best buddies and the UFC has stopped making that matchup because yeah. they probably asked him, do you want to fight Shavka? And he said, no. I just find it a little bit suspicious that, you know, if they asked him, do you want to fight Gilbert? He'd be like, no, Gilbert's my friend. We're not fighting for the title. There's no, there's no point, right? Him fighting Shavkat, dude, he's not friends with a random Kazakhstanian guy. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm telling you right you now. You don't like Usman, huh? Dude, no, it's, it, no, I actually, I actually, don't get me wrong. I actually root for Usman in the majority of his matches. I'm just as unbiased as possible. Yeah. And I take, a, I take a look at what's happening and what the weird uh, situations in MMA and I try and have an unbiased uh, opinion about him. Yeah. Just quickly, as a side note, Aljamain Sterling. You know, his title fight wins are very dodgy. All of them are very dodgy, right? Oh, yeah. Because he went, he got di disqualified. Piotr Jan got disqualified. There's was one. There's, winning brutally that yeah, fight. Yeah, there's one. He, um, he fought TJ. TJ had a shoulder injury. He split decision Piotr. Decent win, decent win. And then he split decision Suhudo. So very close fights. Very hard to say that he's a good champion. Yeah. When I talk about Usman, I just feel like his his whole situation and what he's done in MMA has just been has just been wrong, right? Like I don't know if it's his if it's his if it's his fault or how he's done it, but I feel like he's completely scared of Shavkat Rachmanov. I don't think like a lot of people like uh, think fighters are scared. Like I think like they the the is maybe more being feared of like uh, um, other things but not in the not scared of the actual fights you know like of like Usman have been in there with some pretty good killers I don't think he's scared to fight him that's my opinion but I, I think do, I think he's scared of losing yeah, I don't think any maybe, fighter maybe I don't know can be I don't know the inside I know you you, you could ask Martin Nguyen Martin Nguyen know them well <laughs> Both, you can ask him. He will know probably some insight. Uh, but like, yeah, I don't think he's scared. That's my opinion. I think uh, uh, when you come from two losses, like uh, things change in your mind. When you felt like so invincible for so long time, because all his wins, yeah, maybe Mas Vidal is not, but he fought some killers and beat them pretty easily, you know. So I don't think he's scared. But it's uh, it's. Uh, Sometimes 
you you lose and you you're not sure about other things and maybe he needs just his time off and and we'll see what happens next for him the word scared is the incorrect thing to use <laughs> no fighter scared yeah. you're prepared to step in the octagon and you know that if you get knocked out it's like fuck i'm here yeah if I get knocked out, I get knocked out. I feel like the the correct thing that I'm trying to convey is that there, he has a belief that there's a high probability that he will lose to someone like Shavkat. Yeah. So he would rather take a different matchup. I think that is the best way to put it. And in turn, you would kind of think, oh, you know, I'm oh, scared. But yeah. truly, I just feel like he's a little bit worried about that, about that matchup. Can be, can be. Yeah. Yeah. There's a quote that I want to ask you about. It doesn't get easier, we get better. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I don't I think it's a great quote. It's uh yeah. I think uh up can apply not only in fighting but in life also, you know. Uh I think uh, with experience sometimes when you grow up like a lot of things in your mind look impossible, you know. Looks impossible to lose, looks impossible to lose people around you. And with experience, we have to deal with losses, with close people, maybe, um, um, you know, a, a grandfather or a family member or a partner or, or a friend um, move away. But yeah, you, I don't know. I don't know sometimes if you get better. Like when you lose important things in, in your life, you don't get better. You just have to deal with it. You have to uh, accept the fact that wouldn't you think that acceptance means that you're becoming stronger and therefore better? No, I don't think so. I think uh, uh, I always like to say an example like that. Uh, everyone say like, you know, you, you struggle in life, you get through and uh, you become better, stronger. I don't, I don't believe that, to be honest, because I feel uh, some sort of mistakes, some sort of things happen in your life they damage you in a certain point which you're not coming back. Like, you're not coming back. Think about people who live sort of like violence, okay? Think about an abuse. Like, no one gets better after that. You don't get better. You just learn to pass through in life uh, and uh, acknowledge the fact like, if you want to live, you have to um, deal, deal with that, but you never get over. Like, you don't get better. So that's why it's very important in fighting and in life uh, to be always uncomfortable so you can grow, but you have to be safely uncomfortable, which is a bit of weird things to say, you know? But uh, a lot of people, they try to even a, a sort of lifestyle which uh, uh, almost psychologically, you know, for example, Luke John Jones, what he said like before, his fight, he will party so hard. So if he will have lose the day after, he will have an excuse. That's how a lot of people think. And he's a great champion, but that's how a lot of people does. You know, they feel like to do something to sabotage themselves and have an excuse if things didn't go right. What a fucked up thing to think though. Like how I see it is it's like, I wouldn't make an inbuilt excuse for me. I'm already happy. I already acknowledge the fact that I can fail in everything that I do. But happiness, you say something very nice. You say you are happy. What do you well, mean? Happiness, like you start from a, if you start from a point of happiness, you're already good in your life. 
You know? are, are you saying are you saying that's me? That's positive. Well, you know? the the reason that I find that difficult is that everything I'm very grateful for everything that's happened in my life. But guess what? There's a lot of people in better positions than me that are depressed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just feel like making an inbuilt excuse and self-sabotaging is the incorrect way to go about it. I feel that if you're trying to achieve something, you should you should first acknowledge the fact that you can fail. Yeah. And then when you acknowledge the fact that you can fail, you go, oh, you know, the self-doubt, fuck it. You, the self-doubt doesn't leave. Yeah. You acknowledge that it's there. And the only thing that you can control is your input. Yeah. What are you going to put in? So I feel like John, John against Quinton Jackson, he was worried that he was going to knock him out. So, you know, he goes and parties and all this shit. And then he goes, if I lose, then, you know, it was just the alcohol. I have an inbuilt excuse. Yeah. Sorry, that was against Gustafson, the first fight, right? I just feel like you should put yourself in every position after acknowledging that you can lose. You should put, your you put yourself, put everything into that one position to put yourself in a position to win. Yeah. And if you don't win, you come up short, you know that you tried everything that you possibly could to win. So if you fail, there's nothing to be worried about because but, you tried your best. That's, that's, that's a perfect picture, you know. Human, we, we are not perfect. I study a lot of like mind, psychology, and I study a lot of things uh, about that. Like, and that uh, things John did uh, is a copy mechanism. It's like, uh, it's... Um, it's very, you know, uh, uh, that's a, an hypothetical word, but that's why people have addiction, drugs, alcohol, or other things, you know? It's, uh, in my mind, is a very complicated things. And uh, I do believe uh, uh, when they say, you know, intelligent people are the people who suffer the most. And that's like one of the best quotes you can ever hear. Because like, look, for example, you walk outside and you see a dog in his garden he's so happy all his life he eats the same exactly food but every time you put that food uh, in and uh, uh, in his plate he's the happiest animal ever lived sometimes he's sad but more you see less happy you can be you know it's a uh, very complicated things like that's why uh, you know as a fighter that's what I'm gonna tell you now is very, very intense and deep. But everyone, you watch fighters, right? You are very passionate. And when you watch fighters, you look at them with these eyes, like with bright eyes, you almost see them like, a, not magic creature, but something special. And you say like, this guy has something special, right? You idolize them because yeah. they're superheroes, but, but I'm gonna tell you something, they're humans. I'm gonna tell you something even more important. A fighter, becomes a fighter because of something less, not something more. What do you mean? That's how you become a fighter. You don't become a fighter when you have something more than other people and you want to show it. Like it's actually you feeling not good enough, being less. That's why people become fighters. And through fighting, you try to feel the things. That's it. A fighter is a very unstable person. I'm with them every day. I, I have fighters who they are like doctors or they study medicine. I have fighters who they came like from family with nothing. And all of them have a missing parts. And that's the reason why I choose fighting. Fighting is an extremely positive addiction. All right. So you spend six hours a day to training. What fighting does to you? Structure your life. 
So usually are people who start fighting are people who are not structured. Okay, so you have to eat properly. So you have to training in the morning strength condition. You have the technical work in the afternoon. At the night time you have sparring. So what happened? Almost half of your day is gone. What is left for you? Study, maybe work, sleep, eat, and your day is gone. So automatically without realizing you have structure in your day. No? And the problem is like, is a heavy addiction, positive heavy addiction. That's why a lot of people cannot stop fighting. And why is a positive heavy addiction? Because uh, like uh, you have to be full in because it's not like Sunday you're gonna play the soccer game, you're gonna lose and you're gonna go having beers with your friends. You're gonna lose, your family will be watching you, your girlfriend will come to the show, seeing you lying on the ground, unconscious. A lot of people don't recover from that. That's why I lost, it's something which some fighter, they don't get better, no? Coming back to that quote, doesn't get better. You know, you have to find other things or you have to go back, find yourself, you know? It's a, a very, very intimate sport. And uh, I always say that, like uh, the common fan watch other fight and see him almost like a mythologic creature, no? You watch someone like Izzy, you watch someone like Alex, but all of these people have missing something. And that instability is the reason to push them, push them through the progress and evolution in their uh, life, you know? And uh, I'm with them every day. And I seen uh, all the, uh, the, the, the moments where you lack in confidence. You know, I always say to my fighter, like, uh, whenever we are re getting ready for a fight, I literally, uh, on the back stage, uh, I'm, we reorder all the locker room. So I'm bringing the shirts, I put the shirt in the right spot, I make everything ready. And you say, ready for what? Because we are not coming back. Like, we accept, once we go in that cage, it's not tomorrow. It's not gonna be. So I'm packing all the stuff and I'm leaving everything like it's not tomorrow. If you go with that mindset, you're gonna be able to perform on that level which like a common athlete cannot. How many fighters you have seen? Look Tony Ferguson when he had like a deep submission and a lot of people looked up. Look Alex Volkanovski closing a very nasty uh, guillotine and uh, almost like 99.9% .9 of people will have tapped. How you think you build that mind? Like you are will to die. Like you are on the edge of the cliff. That's a bit dark, but that's a lot of things people don't talk about. And uh, that's the things I work deeply in. You know, I study constantly. And I study people, I'm with people, you know, uh, uh, and I try to understand the, the way they think, the way they walk, which hands they drink in their water. I observe everything. In a room, I have a room like of 50 people and I know exactly where everyone stays and what's going on. Because you only can build that, uh, it's like a CEO of like a big company. You just can learn these things through experience. You cannot learn the books, the previous experience of other people can teach you. Because like history is very interesting, repeats all the time. Everything a human does, maybe in different shape or form, with different technology, does on the same things have been done like 
hundred years ago, thousand years ago, etc. Human are very um, interesting creature, no? And uh, it's uh, important to understand that as a fighter, y y you don't play fighting. Like fighting is not a game, you know. That's why I always respect uh, the opponent. You see me yesterday, you know, Percy finished his opponent, finish him like uh, the first things I went, I did not went to my students. I went to his opponent. I have a chat with him and I say, hey, you you lost today and uh, it's going to be hard. And, uh, but you have to be proud of you. You know, you fought an amazing fighter. You show up in the cage. You show up as a underdog, one of the best flyweight in the country. I want you to know I'm proud of you, even if you're not my students and people are proud of you because I know how he's going to impact his loss. And we all, we, we, we all get caught by envy, you know. Envy is like very interesting things, you know. A lot of people think they can use envy as a flu, fuel, sorry, okay. You cannot use it as a fuel. You cannot. Like you just uh, make yourself rotten inside, you know. You don't have nothing from someone have less than you. You don't have nothing. You can use the positive ambition and that positive envy of someone having more than you and like being captured i i i respect uh, all the teams who we fighting i respect all their coaches even if i don't share their way of live their way of like acting but i do respect them because they push my team and they push me as a coach i do better you know when i see someone not doing the best thing as a coach i uh, work through my own I, I use that experience of me watching that to make sure I don't do that mistakes on my team when I see people doing better I try to understand why they're doing better you know that's the way uh, you should you should act as a as a leader you know you should under acknowledge the the most uh, stupid way to lose a, a battle is not to knowledge the things happening around you. Not to acknowledging like, if uh, 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 this guy's provocating you and uh, you're losing control, you're losing control. It's called losing control for a reason. So you're losing, okay? You have to acknowledge that and you have to uh, be able to not let these things attach you inside. I looked on your Instagram, I saw a clip of Orson was yeah. he the boy getting bullied in, in yeah. that clip? Yeah. That's a viral clip. I want to ask you, for people in the same position as him getting bullied, what message do you have? If someone has uh, ability to be a bully and people around, they're laughing and they're supporting that behavior, the bully thinks that's a, a positive thing to do. It's cool. Like people are laughing. They, they support me. Like he's in the community, you know? Like community d these days, it's very uh, um, like. Did you ever seen like? Okay, get I get you an example. Make an example. We we walking down the street and a guy's crossing the road, right? And the guy's wearing a nice suit, and he fools. How many people will stop and help him to get up? Not that much. I can tell you, you're wrong. Almost every single person will stop and lift what, him up. What? Because of the status? Because, because of, of how he's status, dressed? Because like, uh, uh, you know, when people say appearance doesn't say uh, your value, that's wrong. 
appearances shows the first status of your value. But how many homeless people you see on the street? And maybe you go in a... Australia is a pretty safe place, but go in Brazil, right? The first day you come there, I've been there, well, I was like 18, and you see a homeless person on the floor and you are like shocked. You come from Australia, safe place. You are like, why this guy doesn't have nothing? And it's on the floor with no food. Like, and you are reaching in your pocket and you're going to give him some money. Stay there one week. You're not going to even notice how many people are on the street, on the floor. And you're not going to do anything about it. But it's uncommon to see someone with a pleasure status, dressing nice, but with a nice suit, fooling on the ground, you're going to feel like to help him out. So the things, the way you dressing, the way you act, it's impact how people's going to see you. And uh, the reaction of the people is going to be different. That's very sad, you know. That's some things like, for me, uh, I don't accept. I don't accept bullies. I don't accept when someone... I've seen uh, constantly that, you know. I've seen someone who... Uh, you know, we, we, we have so much technology. We evolve so much as a species, as a, as a humans. We have done some, so many programs and we still like uh, support like the first things and the f I'm telling you the first action of people when someone get bullied is like laugh. You know, when it's something which shouldn't be acceptable. How many people decide they decide like to like uh, raise their hands and say, "Hey, why are you bullying him? Why are you doing that?" No many. And when you see this viral video, you see maybe one random guy and was twenty of them laughing. So that's what's wrong, because the fear of like taking responsibility. You ask me why I'm successful as a coach. I can tell you one things, like a leader doesn't choose to be a leader. Okay, people choose him. Like that's a big mistake, you know. A lot of people, like you know, kings back in the day, they became kings because of the lineage, the blood, etc. A leader is a different things. Like a king can never be a leader, you know. You can never uh, achieve that status of like strength with people uh, just gifted. You have to own it. Like I never wanted to be a coach. I was a very private person. I wanted to train. I wanted to. Um, be better, you know, I, would, I was competing because I wanted, I was having something less and I wanted to feel it, that's why I was fighting. But uh, it's interesting, a lot of people, they, they sit on the higher chair and say like, I'm the leader, I'm gonna, they open a gym, they want like to become like, you don't become a leader, like people point you and say like, okay, I trust you to lead me. And you know what a leader is able to do? To make decision. And uh, one thing we clearly don't have in the era we live in now, you've seen in the politics, you see everywhere, the ability to make a decision, to say like, that's what we're going to do. End of story, you know? And uh, that's what is missing now, the ability and the strength to make decisions. So you brought up leaders, kings, presidents, and the fact that there's a lack of respect because there's a lack of honor of charging with their people. 
in today's day and age, you don't need to go to fucking war. You just need to be a strong enough man to show and represent the country correctly. You look at Joe Biden and you look at Vladimir Putin. You chuck him in a cage. We know Vladimir Putin's going to smoke that motherfucker, right? <laughs> so just off, the, just off the basis, you know, like, don't fuck with Russia, right? Yeah. Because, the, because the head of the army, the head of the team is powerful. That's not saying let's go to war. It's just saying you need to show that you are powerful. So how do you feel about you being in a position of leading your army, meaning your team? How do you feel um, about people relying on you to help them in those situations? Well, all, all my life uh, works around them. Like uh, you, you, you cannot do this job part-time. Like uh, when you become a coach, you're literally preparing people. Think about how complicated it is for me, right? I'm training you. While I'm in the process of training, we're gonna um, have closest and closest relationship, almost become like a family, uh, literally being family, okay? But I'm preparing you to step in the cage and maybe get hurt. So I'm preparing you, I'm giving you tools uh, to go in the cage and do extre something extremely dangerous can maybe maybe lean you to not succeed always because that's a very very hard and unpredictable sport so n needs uh, to understand uh, and it's important to understand like needs a lot of strength to understand that because um, we as a fighters are the modern samurai right that's why if you take the violence and you take like um, so violence is it's something very um, present in our daily life you see you see violence in different shape or form like you don't see it only physically you see violence mentally you see people like uh, not feeling comfortable for example like um, I can say imagine like uh, I cannot imagine myself being like a person without martial arts uh, knowledge because I always think about, I walk in a room and I'm like comfortable. Like everywhere I walk, I can walk in a pub full of people and I feel like fine. I feel like nothing can really touch me. Is that because um, you put yourself in a position where if anyone starts you, you just feel like you're lethal? Yeah, I feel like uh, uh, that's what I've been training all my life. I feel like if... Uh, like. Okay, that's that's interesting point. It's not, to, uh, and uh, I'm gonna answer you uh, in a very interesting way. You know what I do? Like if I'm in the situation, like I go in a place and can be like extremely dangerous. Like I'm not having fear if some fights happen or etc. You know what I do? What? I don't go. What you either defuse go. or you leave? No, no, I don't go to a place can put me in danger to go on the point to like have to use my skills and maybe hurt someone badly and put myself and people around me in danger. I explain you what is a good friend. Now, a good friend is an interesting thing. You know, we we are very tribal as human. Think about like uh, uh, you are in a bad, uh, you done something right, and uh, a lot of guys and young men. You know, that's why like kids these days like all this baby gang and all of this uh, uh, bullshit going around because like we as human we need we are social animals we need other people 
Like you cannot live in the in today world as a single individual. Doesn't matter. Usually, very very strong people are able to do that. To be like to not having many friends, you know. But uh, many day many times a friend support you most of the time. A good friend support you in a stupid decision. For example, is a fight happening, right? And uh, your friend, no, uh, uh, your friends. Is in the position and uh, he caused some sort of trouble or put themselves in a in a way to have trouble. You as a good friend, you're gonna you know I'm your brother. I'm gonna I have your back. Like I'm with you whenever. Well, that's not a good friend. I explain you why. A good friend will never do anything to put you in condition to have problems. That's a good friend. Whenever I go out, whenever I do something with my students, with my friends. I always like I could I could like uh, um, I get angry too you know I've been working a lot to myself but like I get angry a lot because I don't like injustice and I don't like people as we talked previously bullies but uh, I cannot do what I want if I do what I want I don't sometimes we don't care of the problem we can cause to other people which is very important like once you go out you don't represent only yourself you represent your family you know if uh, your family your parents are good parents and they're doing the best they can for you and you're going out and you act like a dickhead and this guy knows your family you literally spitting on your family's name plus you have friends you represent you have your partner you represent you know like when you go out and you act like uh, like uh, a guy who flirts with every girl and you have a girlfriend like you automatically you love your girlfriend and everything but you do the automatically devalue her in the eyes of all the surrounding people who they know you have a relationship so we don't live only uh, our action doesn't only define like uh, um, the person we are but they have huge impact on the status on how the other people gonna look around us you know so I can have like can be in an amazing party, you know. I I actually never go out, you know. But it's not because like I don't like to enjoy a nice place with a friend. Like I have to make sure if I go somewhere, uh, it's gonna be a high probability to not. Uh, you never know. It's gonna be always dickheads everywhere, you know. And you have to learn to deal with. But I'm not gonna put myself and my people in the condition to have problems. That's how a, a person should act, you know? You know what's something which captures a lot people? Tell me. Like the biggest form on, on addiction to capture people, it's passion. I remember, I always say that to my students, like when I was uh, in school, I was like 13, 14, and uh, in the school we have uh, after school, my uh, my teacher, the one who teach like edu physical education, like you know, like uh, basketball, athletic, and all of this, uh, he will do after school, and he was a big passionate about ten tennis table, crazy passionate. Okay, and uh, for me as a fighter, you know, play tennis table is like what is like tennis table is like uh, uh, that's not a sport. I'm a fighter, no, but his passion was so big like he captured me and I was like oh I love I love these things you know 
it's very interesting how passion can uh, for example you maybe don't know nothing about uh, uh, space and maybe you are not a guy's interesting about space but you hear someone who is very passionate about and you feel like capture your attention and you want to know more about they kind of indoctrinate you yeah it's uh, no it's very uh, important and also every good leader every good leader is going to have a lot of enemy like if you are a good on what you're doing and uh, if you are um, successful in what you're doing you're going to have a lot of people don't like you they're going to feel threatened by you and you're not even doing anything you're just doing your own things but people is going to isolate you leader actually are very lonely people like there are people who they need to learn to walk by themselves and uh, usually they have like two three trusted people and that's it i know we all say like oh how many good friends you have maybe two three but like people have a lot of friends like people have like hundreds of friends and 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 love is very complicated like love is not like uh, like talking about friendship is different love have different shape or form like you cannot really classify it in, in one thing you know it's like so many colors love okay but it's very important to understand uh, uh, like sometimes we need to be able we have to have the ability to accept love which is very interesting you know sometimes we are not uh, like we are so close on doing what we have to do every day we are so um, uh, frustrated by uh, what's happening around us and we literally are not able to accept love and accept like to have something which can make us um, give us like more insight and uh, let us progress in life because like uh, you see like as human like we have uh, 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 Peterson said that's very interesting you know he say like you have to be good if you want to be good you have to be capable of being dangerous you know which all a lot of people get straight away like oh why like it's like it's so true like no one is gonna respect you no one if you, I've been like I transit like um, I'm always like the same person you think about like a track I'm since as a, I'm a kid, inside I'm like the same exact person I was all my life, with my ethic, with my things, and I know I have this value and morals. We cannot be touched. I know they're ingrained deep me, and that's me. I know, but the world and the things happen around me try to corrupt me, try to like uh, um, make me feel. Uh, many times, like I as a kid, I wasn't. I know I was good and everything but I realized being good didn't really give me anything like people was taking advantage of me and be good so I realized to be like very uh, uh, I remember I, I can split my life maybe in three three me okay which all these three person are built on their track I told you of who I am so it doesn't change so you you progress this is why when you told me about that your experience before with no camera I told you like already the way you process that experience now and the thoughts you're doing the right things you're evolving from that okay so I was like a very pure person 
and I had like parents working day and night to give me the better future and like as a kid you don't understand you don't have the information you don't have the knowledge to understand many things and I'm I'm looking like you envy envy is interesting it's very interesting and it depends like what you are envy also no because like if you are envy someone like having a nicer scar than you that's a stupid way to be envy what I was envy was like when I would finish school after school you know, it was Christmas or some event and like would be parents waiting for their kids and I'm like, would be raining or snowing and I'm like having my bicycle in that corner and like, I have to go get my bicycle. No one is waiting for me outside. I have to drive my bicycle home. No one have cooked me a lunch. I have to cook myself. And like, uh, and I was like jealous of like, just that warm blanket around you and I was like, that's, his inf- that's not fair, you know? Why people have access on something simple like this, which is beautiful and so rich, and I don't have access on that, you know? And I'm like a good kid, like I deserve it, you know? And uh, I close myself, you know? And I close myself and I, I, I was missing a lot. So I find like the fighting, you know? And I start training and that passion is full like that part of my needs you know but the problem is like when i when uh, when you grow up and like it's so beautiful seeing it now as an old adult step aside and have like watching your life almost like having a view and understanding of like uh, all the points from the outside and i was like a very um hangry kid because like anger it's Anger is like a fire, like it's like a fast pill. You have headache, you take the pill, the headache is, headache is gone, you know? That's anger. Anger is something helps you to deal with things like straight away. And sometimes you need to deal just the things straight away, you know? But it's not the right way to deal with things, you know? How many times you have made the wrongest decision with anger? and you wasn't in control of your decision, of your action, you know? So I was very angry because like, where I grew up was pretty violent, you know? Was like a very, and I grew up by myself, so like, uh, you learn about violence. And you know what does violence when you learn? You, it's like a, a huge shock. You learn violence, and I always have like deeply ingrained in me, it's gonna be always justice at the end. I don't know why, still now, Still as a kid, I always believe that. So I'm seeing this violence and I don't accept it, you know? And since as a kid, like I did not stand by that. If something will happen, like I could have not like not, but that causes you trouble. Because like in, as we spoke about in this area we live in now, it, it, people don't, res- like people respect who makes decision, but sometimes less problem come or don't make any decision, you know? You stay in the gray area, you're okay, no? But it's not okay. Because like, uh, as you've seen, you know, five years later, you're still thinking about what have happened that day, and you feel like you wasn't good enough for your people around you. Like, the, all these things to accept makes you like uh, feeling less yourself and stop you to progress as yourself. By the way, like I, I put anger as a shield and I did not talk much with people. I was just training 
and I was building my skills and like I won the Italian championship in karate. I, I did very good in boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai. And people around, because when you become a fighter, people start looking at you different. Look, this guy is strong. Is this guy is very good? You know, you cannot play with this guy. You already build like that status without you want it. Like you just like people, they understand you training something which you to have an ex to overpower another human, and possibly if you want you can hurt him, on the point like uh, uh, to that if you want. You know, so you learn like a, a, mo a mortal skill. You know, you choke someone, you hold the choke enough. Uh, this guy is not coming back ever, you know, that's it. And uh, so anger for me was like that protection. And after the anger, I became so strong and so good on what I was doing, which I realized I don't need anger anymore. So I become very, very good as a person, you know, because I knew it for a fact, no one could uh, play me because uh, I will be capable like of something dangerous if needed. But when you are good, like uh, I was, uh, you become a bit uh, like people think they take advantage of you. That's why like you need to be good and you're going to learn to experience. You cannot be like a, um, a priest, you know, like uh, try to be good to everyone because like being good is an access of people to you. So you, you are opening a door, right? and you let them access in there and they can hurt you badly. And you feel like, okay, being good is not the right things. So I should go back like to protect myself. So you have to acknowledge people. You have to learn like to, uh, to see who they are and give your, your best version of yourself um, protected, you know? You know what's like uh, one of the most beautiful things we can do as a human? is nothing more powerful than have the ability to help someone. Like when, did you have like a friend who is like on the ground uh, in a very bad spot and you have the ability to help him? Like uh, find me something which bring you more joy than that. It's wonderful, you know, when you have the ability to help someone. And that's I think uh, where it comes like my love to be a coach like having that ability to help someone through a moment which looks so dark and is no way out that's the most empowering things you brought up the bible before yeah. i'll bring up uh the quran so it says to kill someone is the same as to kill all of humanity but to save someone is the same as help helping and saving the whole world yeah so what you just said there's nothing more beautiful than to help and save someone. And that text actually validates that saying that if you do help someone, you shouldn't see it as a detriment on yourself, even if you're going out of your way, because to help one and nobody knows about it is to help all. How do you feel about that? I agree, I agree completely. You know, I didn't know about this chapter of the Quran, but uh, it's, uh, it's very interesting. And you see like all these books are being written like hundreds, thousands of, of years ago, you know? And uh, as I told you at the beginning, like things always repeat in circle, you know, because it's the human nature. And uh, you should always like uh, feel comfortable to help someone.
if you feel that uh, you have to do it like without like uh, thinking on what's coming from that it's not like a lot of people they have like this shift way to help just try to get something in advantage after no but uh, you you truly know when someone helps you because they want you to be better you know that's why it's very important to open yourself to the right people you know sometimes um, yeah men these days for example have have very hard time to speak with other men because speak sometimes is uh, a point of weakness because like yeah like i don't want like so i have uh, one of the reason i came to australia one of my closest friends and my students um he killed himself okay and uh he was the last person he messaged and uh, i was traveling to milan i had a competition i have five of my guys in the car um on the van we driving down and i receive a message at 5 a.m you know and he's like uh, hey brother how are you what are you doing say hey, we, we're going in milan like we are almost halfway so we already drove like two hours and we have two hours to uh, we are halfway right i say i'm i'm good uh, what are you doing awake at this time and, and he's like yeah you know i was thinking about you i want you to know like you did so much for me and uh, start like saying things which uh, um which i could not understand like i was feeling like weird about and the point like i he's like, he's a very happy person and he's like an incredibly uh happy and spontaneous human being which you would never imagine anything like that ever and uh he came to me um called me and reached me out and i'm like i remember grabbing the phone and i'm like i felt like a bit cold on my back and I'm like uh, that's weird no and I'm like keep talking to him and and I say hey uh, he say to me can you come back please and I'm like uh, brother we have a competition like uh, I've the guys are carrying weight there in the car like but if you want to once we finish the competition I'm not gonna stay an extra night I just come back and we can talk I know he was having like a bit of like problems with uh, um with his life but like nothing major anyway like uh, he say no don't worry focus on the guys and uh, make sure um, they win as usual no and uh, uh, um, I love you know five minutes later he killed himself and was like um, very hard on me because I felt like for a long time guilt because like I do like it's crazy i have like these feelings and feelings are very important in people you know like when you feel things like we yes we have a lot of technology we have a lot of like things but feelings how possible an animal right in the animal world the animal is born and doesn't have knowledge and he knows what to do straight away that's instinct you know we have instinct how many times you feel like to do something but you think and you say like, no, nah, I'm not gonna do it. But you really feel driven by your instinct to do it. And was a mistake not to do it because like you do need to trust your instinct too. You know, when you um, meet a friend and you don't like him, but because of society, because like of work, you have to deal with this person. And after you become friend with him and you find a way to like him. And five years later, 
you realize this guy's a dickhead i don't want to spend any like spending time with him makes me like claustrophobic i don't like it and you knew it from the start because as a humans we have like this this natural instinct which we have to use you know and yeah i'm sorry for your loss i'm sorry for what happened to your friend was he very close to you yeah he was uh literally we grew up one street apart and uh it's that's it's a funny story so i was a very good fighter as a kid no i was 17 and uh, actually he came from a very that's why you know when we spoke about like suffering suffering is important to grow but you shouldn't experience some things in life you know my friend he experienced violence when he was a kid he grew up without his father and uh, he sometimes when you experience some sort of violence cracks your in your crystal inside and you're never the same you're not gonna recover from these things you're just gonna move up in life that's why i'm very blessed like i have like such a great circle of people around me and uh, a funny story like me and matt was his name we met uh, was a summer was august and uh, he know me he was like a very a guy who always makes some troubles okay and uh, we went like in this beach area in italy and uh, i'm like 16 uh, at the time and uh, i'm walking my way home because like i usually never go out because i was training so hard but the time like uh, i had like a girlfriend you know when you're a kid and uh, we are walking the way back early nights to go home because i just wanted to touch base with my friends and I will go home rest because I'm training the day after. Walking on the on this beach area and it's like all kiosk, like party and like things going around, uh, happening, you know, a lot of people drinking. When I'm walking, I seen like these massive fights happening, you know, and like was Matt, which he was like from my area and we are in, a, in an area which um, uh, wasn't our area, you know, was some sort of like a rivality and uh, Matt was older than me, two years. And uh, everyone knows me as a fighter, but like I never really like have a chance to interact with him because like I know he was a bit of a spinner, yep. you know. And I know uh, you never know with guys like this. You can fight, but like he will like grab a chair, just throw it at you, you know. So he's in this fight, but like I did not care. And like I see him fighting against like five guys, and I stood in, you know, in this fight. And I, uh, happened what happened, the funny story, like, uh, we became very good friends there, you know, and uh, years later, I opened a gym, and he comes training, you know, and I was, like, very strict as a coach, I was like, you know, if you're training, you cannot go out, you cannot drink, you have to have this lifestyle, because also I was doing this project in Italy called Martial Arts for Integration, and I was getting all these kids from the streets, so all the worst of the worst, was under my roof and I was looking after them. And I have, I have like an amazing control because you see now interesting is with these young kids, like their fear because they know me, I'm good as a fighter, their fear will keep them under control. The interesting part, Matt, I'm, I always look like so diplomatic. So like he will go up to my little students and he was like, you know how I met coach? And uh, they will ask him like, no, how? Like, so I end up like in this massive fight and it's like five guys jumping on me. 
and coach just jump in and like knocks these three guys out (laughs) (coughs) and we we run away and he was always tell this story and I was here and I was like shh don't tell them you're just gonna jeer them up and they're gonna think it's the right things to do but that's how we met and like was was very funny you spoke about your training sessions I want to ask what was the most fun you ever had training a fighter I think uh, fun that's uh, that's interesting as a question because you know like uh, you can you can love training someone you can love see them evolving the skills but probably fun I would say one of my students Kevin Piras you know he's Italian and he's such a like unique character you know usually fighters are always under tension like he doesn't have any pressure he was like a very elite uh, taekwondo fighter he was in national team in Italy he's in Australia I met him here and we crossed paths so naturally was a friend of his uh, Rocky we have in common uh, told him like he's this Italian coach he's one of the best like go training with him because this guy Kevin asked him to do MMA and the uh, very fun about he's a very energetic person very positive a great human and uh, he loves dancing so he loves salsa music so when he walks out uh, in his fights he always wears like the kimono the taekwondo kimono and he's entering like dancing salsa and i will feel like so embarrassed but like will be so fun because he's like a unique character and like he you need to understand like fighting is a very like heavily mind dark uh, stress place to go and everyone is very tense the crowd is tense and these guys is coming in with this like salsa uh, 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 music and all the crowds like we, we remember I w- we was in Brisbane fighting the guy from his hometown and he had like so much crowd he came in with this music and he turned all the crowd cheering for him and was like an amazing fun experience yeah <laughs> So when I asked uh, Matteo Capodaglio about uh, Marvin Vittori, the question I asked him is, is Marvin Vittori crazy, right? And then, you know, Matteo, so he... So I he, know Marvin too. Yeah, so, <laughs> so Ma- Matteo was like, well, you know, it depends what you mean by the definition of crazy. It went into a massive <laughs> rant about that for a little bit. And he basically alluded to the fact that Marvin's just a little bit crazy. How do you feel about that? Look, like, if you do that sport, like, you cannot be normal, let's be <laughs> honest. Like, it needs definitely to have a bit of craziness in. But Marvin Vittori is a, a person, like, as you many times say, you know, like, doesn't come out on social media as he's in a real life. He's one of the most genuine, most honest, loyal person you can know. He will be next to you and he's a very true friend. Uh, we've been known each other for a long time. Uh, even after his last fight, didn't go his way. He was one of the first person you he can call. He called, say, coach, what do you think about the fight? We talk about and like he is already working so hard to improve that. That's why I want to say, you know, like a loss, like you can turn a loss to a lesson, and in the process of being a martial artist, you can progress so much from a defeat, you know. And it's important uh, sometimes to experience things like that. Jared Cannonier did very well against Marvin. Yeah, Marvin, I believe, got a knockdown in that fight. Yeah. I believe you heard him on the feet. So, the second round, yeah. Yeah, so what did you think about Jared? And do you think that Jared's 
come into his own even more, or do you think that it was that Marvin underperformed? What do you What do you think that think, story uh, of that Marvin fight is? Marvin had, had few issues physically. We knew inside the camp, but uh, definitely was. Sometimes it's just someone have a good night, you know. And like you, feel, you know, when you woke up one day and you're like, I just feel great today, and I feel like nothing can stop me. And uh, that's why this sport is so loved, you know, because one day like. I think Marvin was was favorite that fight. Yes, he you was. Know? Was a big favorite, and uh, you never know. Like uh, it's uh, interesting that division because you know, looks like uh, now Duplassie have come up. Uh, Israel uh, lose usually against Pereira, but at the end of them beat him. Whitaker beats almost everyone, but he lose against Easy. Uh, Marvin like almost like clean all the division. And lost against like these three top guys, you know. It's a very interesting weight class. What motivates you to be a good coach and support your fighters? Well, like uh, one thing, so like uh, I don't have many uh, heroes, you know. Like I don't have the, you know, when you grow up, like you think like uh, uh, Superman, and you think like uh, all these uh, fighters you get inspiration of. Like I did not have many of them. But definitely, I can say like um, um, I'm uh, blessed uh, to have like a small circle like of three, four people who are very, very, very close to me. Um, actually, I want to point them because I usually never, never say anything about you know. But uh, I have a very close friend of mine, James Bell, um, one of the best person I ever met in my life. He helped me through a lot. He helped me as a person. He helped me. Uh, as a friend, he been there like when wasn't like easy, um, and uh, he's a, a very successful businessman. He does something completely different, fighting and um, have like such. A, it's very important have that people around you, which uh, you can just look at them and like they're 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 your people. You know your your family, your real family, because family is not only blood. I I'm like. Um, I'm really blessed for my parents, you know, my parents have teach me a lot without like sometimes saying anything, just see them, you know, their work ethic. I remember seeing them waking up, my dad at 3am, being a butcher and, and going, working his ass off to, to give me the best he could at the time. And my mom, an incredible strong woman, which uh, like probably stronger than any man you can imagine like a true woman from like another, uh, uh, from another like uh, era, you know? And um, um, these people are just special, you know, unique, unique pe people, which um, just having the blessing and learn. I did not understand many things about them in the process of growing up. I did not understand uh, why, like uh, I was almost like, was almost like growing up with them and intense in training to become that person I am now. And also, um, probably one of the most important person, my partner, Eden, she's like probably um, a hero for me. Like it's just uh, uh, her strength and her as a, as a, as a woman is like uh, um, probably what uh, every guy wish next to, you know, crazy example. You said something interesting about family. Now, my opinion on that is that you can choose your family. There's a quote, blood is thicker than water. The true 
actual meaning of that quote is that the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water from the womb meaning that you on the battlefield with your friends is more important than any blood relation that you could have uh, with someone. So there's a misconception there. Yeah. I feel like you can choose who you want to be your family. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I think uh, that's true. I think like uh, um, moral and value and uh, the surrounding of people around you influence drastically who you're going to become as a man. Like, you know... Uh, people who grew up in certain contests with bad people around, it's very hard for them to find a way out and become something else. So you have to really be careful on who you select next to you. You need to be able to accept it. When you have something good, sometimes we feel we don't deserve. It's same like John, you know. He feels that he doesn't deserve to win because he knows he's imperfect. And sometimes as people, we think we don't deserve things, you know. But we have to embrace them and sometimes is having the ability to do that is what can give you that happiness in life, you know, daily. We spoke about the mental component. You have studied The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Yeah. I like another book, um, The Book of Five Rings. Yeah. I really like that one. So how important is that for a fighter to um, compete in fighting or anything combat? Okay. I want to point it out there, like, I don't want to say, like, a fighter should fight for only one reason, for search happiness, you know? Like, it's such a complicating, how you can search happiness? Because, like, I can guarantee you, I can see in the eyes of a fighter when he wins, and he see people around him be proud of him, he feels feel fulfilled. Of course, like, the paycheck, a good car helps, for sure, let's not lie about that, like, but you should do this to search something. When you decide to become a fighter, do it with the intent of like searching yourself because you are a special person to do that. Like that's why for all the competitors in the game, for all the people who have choose this path, you know, it's easy to judge sitting and commentating like uh, people who put their life in line, you know, and I know for many people who have a lot of culture and knowledge, uh, it's almost hard to understand why someone stop in the cage and risk to take themselves like with permanent damage. Okay, we've seen it many times. We make it like so accessible to watch, but we don't realize people actually die fighting. People push themselves to sort of limit when they get paralyzed. They get like... Uh, um, to some points where like their life is not gonna be the same. They maybe could have lived until like 80s, but because they chosen this path, they die at 60 or 50 or 40, you know? And uh, it's like an, an, a hard path and uh, every fighter should be treated as a respect, you know? That's why like you've seen even the most controversial people when they go out like to sort of moral and value, still they be forgiven as a fighters because of what they decide to put in their uh, part in their in the line, but also like you shouldn't forgive some things, you know, like some things in life. If s someone, as a man, makes some mistakes, I'm talking about like very strong things. Okay, everyone in life have a reason to be better and improve himself, and everyone sh should have a chance to change his life, no matter what you have done. 
but some things like cannot be forgiven you know and that's where you where i stand by like some sort of things when you cross some lines that's it who is a new addition into your team that you see doing well in MMA in the future? It could be a youngster, could be yeah. a veteran that's entered your gym. Uh, what do you see on the horizon? So on the horizon, like I have like a huge pool of talent with uh, um, such a incredible, incredible um, assets. Uh, I seen fighters as colors. I always say that, you know. That's why I like the word mixed martial art, you know. I seen like every fighter, every special fighter have a color, you know. And I always say in the gym, look Percy. If you look Percy, you think about purple, you know. That's his color. You think about uh, uh, other fighters like in UFC level and you give them colors, you know. It's the best way you can identify um, their aura, you know, their energy, their special energy. It's so many great fighters coming to the team, but I want to point one just because we had the news uh, soon he's going to fight for the UFN title in uh, Sydney. Ismail Elchak, uh, we call him the freak. Ismail is number, ranked number three amateur in the world. He lost only one fight and he lost against the pound for pound best junior athlete in the world and lost by split decision. Many of people in Serbia was the fight. Many people told... Uh, he won that fight, in my opinion too. He's uh, fighting a, a good opponent um, in the in the next UFN card. Probably it's gonna be Oko main event or main event, and uh, he's a freak of nature. He's a very very dangerous fighter, an explosive and powerful dynamic striker, uh, a very great wrestling, ground and pound submission game name it he have it he's one of the next things coming up and i want to point him just because not i've like several names i can bring on the table but just because he's uh, um having this fight and we had the news like a few days ago uh it's confirmed so yeah i just want to put his name we have another girl uh fane mosquita fane uh, it's competing next week uh he's the beaut pro She's the best amateur in the world. She's the first ever Australian, first ever Australian to win um, the amateur world championship and is my student. Uh, she is um, um, very, very dangerous and talented fighter. How old is she? Uh, she is older. She is 35. But, you know, female MMA is a bit different and she doesn't look 35. She looks like 20. <laughs> and, and she is very, very um, skilled, you know, and uh, so that fight is going to be very interesting and I'm looking forward to see where where the future is going to take us. Yeah. I'm going to play you a coaching clip. I want you to take a look at it and then yeah. give us uh, your critique. So it's the top left video. Okay. Take a look at that. Click the top left video and then tell me, tell me how you feel about it. Yeah, that one. Well, um, that's like a very... Um, everything where I... Uh, <laughs> live against as a coach like uh, uh, a lot of coaches these days okay that's that's a very nice things to to think about you know a lot of coaches today they feel protagonist of their fighters career a coach is a shadow if you as a coach are not able to have a position where you are a shadow 
and uh, you are working on the back to make these people succeed and sometimes you know what's gonna happen you're gonna coach someone for 10 years you're gonna give blood sweat tears your own money you're gonna pay him uh, uh, everything uh, to help him through his process of and he becomes a very famous and strong fighter and he changed him and he forget about you have happened thousands of times well um, it's uh, it's a hard part what happened you know because uh, sometimes people don't see that as a coach but like for example in this clip you see clearly the coach being very violent through his athlete slapping like his posture is very aggressive you know and that's not gonna bring anything from uh, your fighter um, um, nothing from that corner is gonna help your fighters to be better you know you're just gonna confuse him even more like every time so when you corner someone I've been coaching 12 years on the top of the game you know and I've been like in uh, almost every week I have like two plus fights I'm cornering put that in 52 weeks this means like I've cornered only last year probably 200 fights a lot of coaches they don't coach 200 fights in all their life I did it in one year so that's the level of, of amount of experience I have which is like not even possible to to be compared with an, a guy who does this just for fun in his part time like next week I have five four guys competing was supposed to be five it's like a different experience and uh, sometimes in the corner your fighter is gonna be in um, in think about you know you you winning and you're losing doesn't matter make an example you're losing and you sit in the corner and you're exhausted it's not much left for you you know and look at Leon Edwards versus um, um, Kamar Usman. His corner did a great job. Like I explained, sometimes when you corner, most of the times, you have to give a tactical um, advice, you know? So me and you, I'm in the corner, I'm telling you, look, the jab you're landing is landing every time. Add one feint, jab him, keep the distance. When he comes closer, calf kick him, like yesterday with Percy, very... Uh, instruction if you hear from the corner you can hear what i'm saying and he's replicating in the fight you know what i say to my students whenever we go in the cage i say to them it's like two against one we are two against one that's the type of relationship you should have but some fighters they're gonna be in deep water and any technical advice you're gonna give them it's not gonna help them to outcome their adversity so you have to give them an emotional advice you have to tell him, hey, do you remember being in the gym and like uh, not having money for get your food and, and wanted to fight and or uh, like uh, people are watching you, uh, your mom is there like looking at you fighting and you are getting uh, beat up by this guy. Like sometimes you have to be the hammer, sometimes you have to be the nail, you know, like you have to move them emotionally, you know. Uh, it's, um, it's a very hard job and like... Uh, you know, Joe Rogan interview Mike Tyson and say like, Mike Tyson, like, you are Mike Tyson, you know? Like, you have seen everything in boxing. You could be the best and the greatest coach ever lived. Like, the guy have like tigers in his bed. Like, he, he had a, like a crazy life. Who can tell you about experience more than him? No one. You know what Mike Tyson say? Say, 
I could never be a coach because to be a coach needs a special person, a person who's able to bring something from others. Have to be a, a very um, not selfish. What's the opposite? Selfless, selfless, selfless person. You know, which you almost like give yourself out. You almost like give everything you have out to make someone else shine. And like not a lot of human are will to do that. How many human will will to give what they've left last last in their pocket to see the other person succeed? No many. You know. My final question for today is: You've had a great career already, but what are your goals for the next two, five, and ten years in those yeah. increments? What do you see happening? So we're definitely gonna be the best team in Australia, and after that we. Um, uh, gonna move uh, um, competing a lot internationally already now we struggle to get fights in Sydney at all like it's very very hard for us in Sydney that's why I'm always traveling and that's why we are here in Melbourne etc and thanks to Tina Patofax and Hex everyone they always welcome us the best um, in a, in not long time we're gonna have like the best team in the country and it's going to be one of the most known and successful team in the world that's all we have time for ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for watching the show thank um thank you very much renato for coming on is there any final message you want to say before we wrap up the podcast mm, i i think was a was a great uh, interview and uh it's nice uh, not only talk about like mma but what's what can relate with around and hope like so many people who maybe don't they don't even follow the sport but they are more interested in you know uh personal things and uh, fighting um can can help a lot you know even if you are in moment where you're not on your best you struggle and you need something you know try to try to fight you know one day at a time sometimes it's gonna be very dark it's gonna be uh, uh and things looks impossible and uh, it's same as a we seen it yesterday in many fight round by while round you can find uh, some opening and a solution to win your own battles you know that's what i want to say follow renato on instagram link in the description and subscribe to anything combat on youtube thanks guys bye thank you